welcome to the second season of our Triune Pod. We are still preparing you to praise. Join me, the Reverend Nick Comiskey, and the Reverend Bendy Hart for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the Psalms. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. So I went to this classical music concert last night and where at church, our musicians are world-class and every single time I've gone to one of these concerts, I've looked around and I've seen people wearing their tweed jackets and they just seem to really be enjoying it, even kind of nodding along and I'm looking ahead and I'm trying to look exactly like them, but without fail. 10 minutes into the concert, I have no idea what I'm doing. And when it ends, I'm just like, get me out of here. Now, I feel really bad about this because these musicians are incredible. And I know there's some kind of deficiency in me, but I just don't get it. What about you? Do you I mean, do you appreciate classical music live? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I don't, yeah. I, 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 live is, I mean, as opposed to just in general, or specifically live. Well, like, I feel like we both probably have, you know, background music or just not even a background music like Chopin, who we might really like. Not that yeah. we're going to listen to the complete works of Chopin right. like you would an album, but you appreciate things here and there. But do you remember at Grove City how some of those kids would gather together in their dorm rooms and they'd listen to a complete concerto together and maybe they'd smoke pipes or this and that. That is by far the dorkiest thing I've ever, I didn't, I didn't never knew that that happened. That is. So I was invited to a few of them Yikes. and some of the people were very smart, super intelligent. And I, I wanted to go and I wanted to appreciate it, but I didn't because I knew I'd probably be a fraud. I'd probably be faking it. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't like it. Yeah. It's funny you bring this up. So I've seen two movies over the last week. You have to see Tar. I really want to talk about Tar with you on the pod. Work out. My I favorite. love Kate Blanchett, so I'll see anything she's in. It is unbelievable. Um, and then Tar, and then I saw this Korean movie called Decision to Leave. It's like this Korean noir. And both, I saw them within like a five-day span. And both movies, one very, 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 very centrally, the other pretty centrally as well, but in a different way, feature Gustav Mahler's Fifth Symphony, Symphony Number 5. And so I've been listening to a ton of, I've just had Mahler on repeat, man. To Mm -hmm. your point, it's more background music. I'm not just like firing it up at 9 p.m. on a Friday, you know, like, but I, um, yeah, but I do really like classical music and I have seen, you know, I've been to 15 or 20, you know, symphonic performances, if that's a phrase. And I do really like it because I like watching in real time the way that instruments will play off each other. It's almost like to use a kind of visual metaphor, it's almost like a wave, you know, you can see the different instruments intersect and things play off each other. So I actually do like it. And just one more reason among so many that I'm just more cultured than you are. I'll give this one to you. I mean, now I would love to say I appreciate what you're talking about. And I do in theory, but I just get bored. It's definitely a deficiency in me. If you're listening to this and you go to the Cathedral Church of the Advent, 
you know our music is top of the line. And I will say our, our Sunday services are the best of the best. But when it comes to the concerts, I just don't get it. So I'm going to keep going, hoping that one day I will, but I just don't. Yeah, that's fair. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. With his right hand and his holy arm, he has won for himself the victory. The Lord has made known his victory. His righteousness has he openly shown in the sight of the nations. He remembers his mercy and faithfulness to the house of Israel, and all the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout with joy to the Lord, all you lands. Lift up your voice, rejoice, and sing. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of song. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, shout with joy before the King, the Lord. Let the sea make a noise and all that is in it, the lands and those that dwell therein. Let the rivers clap their hands and let the hills ring out with joy before the Lord. When he comes to judge the earth, in righteousness shall he judge the world and the peoples with equity. Now, with what I've just said, I would love it if our musicians turn this into an anthem, and I bet you they will. But Nick, what do you think about Psalm 98? Well, I mean, this is joy to the world, man. Like this is yeah. the text behind joy to the world. So I guess it is an anthem. Good old uh, Isaac Watts. That's right, dog. Great, great Psalm. Very joyful song. Definitely when I was preparing for the pod, I'm like, oh man, it's Christmas. All I want for Christmas is you, Ben. She's coming. Oh, She's coming oh, for shucks. us all. So Psalm 98 is one of those Psalms. I think there's four or five of them that use this language of the new song. God does these new things and they require new words of praise. And whether there is some reference here to the Exodus or to the return from exile, biblical scholars debate, but for our purposes, it is God doing a new thing in history and the psalmist and all the people of God singing in light of what God has done. Kind of architecture of the psalm, I think you can break it down into three sections. There is a invitation to sing to the Lord a new song because of his victory. There's a shout to all the earth to rejoice and sing in light of that. And then the final section, the most evocative, is when the psalmist speaks to all of creation, the sea, the lands, the rivers, and the hills. So it's not a particularly theologically complex. There's not a lot of like doctrine embedded in here, right? It's basically the Lord has done this new thing. So let's sing to the Lord a new song. I liked what you said about how this might refer to the Exodus, might refer to the exile, probably refers to the return from exile, but the context has been taken out so that we can use this psalm for every great and mighty act of our God. Because he's shown us his victory in the Exodus, shown us his victory in the exile, and most supremely in the death and resurrection of his son. And even, you know, the victories he's won in our own lives. So to Christianize it would be a Christus victor idea. And it just kind of shows us that God is faithful to his people. In this instance, Israel. And by extension, he's revealed this victory, this faithfulness to the whole world. Mm. In the Exodus, in the exile, most supremely in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of his son. And so it's very appropriate that Isaac Watts took yep. this psalm and made it into the joy to the world song that we all love. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think one one little piece of theology here, I suppose, is 
embedded in that final phrase in verse nine in the prayer book. We're supposed to sing to the Lord a new song. All of creation sings to the Lord this new song when God comes to judge the earth. In the theology there is that what God does for humankind is in history. God arrives. God comes. So Christian readers of the psalm were praising God for not God in himself. What's the fancy term for that? Is that the eminent trinity? Yeah. It's God kind of working out salvation in real time and space. So whether it's the exodus or the return from exile or the birth of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of God advances. God wins for his people victory in real time and space. So, you know, I don't think that's necessarily unique to Christianity or something, but the idea that what we celebrate and praise God for are things that people have seen and witnessed. And, you know, it's like that kind of scandal of particularity, the notion that God doesn't just do things up in the heavens and we witness to them from far away, but God comes in real time and real space. And so we praise in light of that. I think one of the other theological points is that the savior of the world is the creator of the world. Yeah. That's right. why it's not just talking about how God has saved Israel, not just that he's going to save the nations. But even the inanimate objects, even the rest of creation, God won a victory over chaos and the creation of the world. God wins victory over his enemies in the salvation of the world. Yeah. And so salvation being seen time and time again as a new creation. And this is why we sing a new song. And this isn't just something the Jews way back then did or that the early Christians did, but this is something that we do in our own lives. And why, you know, despite the fact that church folk don't like new songs, we got to create them and sing them. Yeah. No, I yeah, classical ones I mean. too, though. Classical ones too. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to go with that point. Is what you said was great, but I thought you were going to go with something more the way that salvation corresponds to and, and in some ways continues or, or perfects in the ultimate sense creation. Like it's, I think, to misapply the Thomas Aquinas line grace does not destroy nature, but perfects it. I don't think that's exactly what he was describing, but for our purposes, you know, salvation is not escape from the world or it's not even the destruction of the world salvation in the in the eschatological sense is the perfection of the world and what salvation does is redeem and transform and ultimately allow creation to function as god intended it to function you know and so though that imagery that famous imagery picked up in joy to the world that we see in the psalm, the sea making a noise the lands the rivers the hills it's poetic of course but it's you know more than just poetry in a figurative sense it's describing something that is going to happen right mm -hmm. romans 8 you know all of creation will be released from its bondage to decay so the world that we inhabit now in some ways will continue in the new age you know we're not going to be harps in the clouds you know we're going to have bodies and there's going to be something like hills i i would guess i mean i don't know <laughs> but the idea that what we're ultimately looking for leading up to advent what we're ultimately looking for is the redemption of the cosmos not our exit from this godforsaken planet so i love that this psalm too is is kind of like an out of time psalm and what i mean by that is there's obviously the idea that God is a divine warrior. He's won this great victory on our behalf. Mm. But notice there is no language about enemies here. And it's because it's as if they've all been vanquished. 
So this is kind of an eschatological song or a song that we sing from the future looking back. And I think that's kind of an invitation for us Hmm. to sing and create psalms like that, or just to have that um, about a study that I'm leading is going through first Thessalonians. And in the letter, Paul is talking about how their hope in the return of Christ is so evident and so attractive to the world that it's drawing more and more in. And here we see an instance, even before the birth of Christ, our Lord has won the victory. He's vanquished his foes. And this is what praise looks like in light of that. And this shows us that there will be praise and prayer in heaven. Mm. We're not just praising now and then like living on a cloud. Like Part of the good life, part of the life with Christ will be a worship that we love when Ben DeHart will appreciate that great live classical music concert. Who knows? Maybe even Mailer's Symphony number five. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. With his right hand and his holy arm, he has won for himself the victory. The Lord has made known his victory. His righteousness has he openly shown in the sight of the nations. He remembers his mercy and faithfulness to the house of Israel, and all the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout with joy to the Lord, all you lands. Lift up your voice, rejoice, and sing. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of song. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, shout with joy before the King, the Lord. Let the sea make a noise and all that is in it, the lands and those who dwell therein. Let the rivers clap their hands and let the hills ring out with joy before the Lord. When he comes to judge the earth and righteousness shall he judge the world and all the peoples with equity. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.